All right, hey, uh, today, guys, we are closing out our series that we've called Running in Circles. And uh, really what we did is we kicked off probably about four weeks ago with this encounter of Jesus with this woman at a well. It was a Samaritan woman. It was the arch enemy, but Jesus presses through the male to female cultural stuff, the Samaritan Jew cultural stuff to show us that he's willing to go to any lengths necessary to meet us right where we are. And Jesus finds this woman who is just like us. She is human just like us. And we know that because she was sinful just like us. She had been married five times and was now living with number six, right? And here's, here's the idea. Here's kind of what Jesus is casting the scene, right? Is that she kept going back to that well over and over again. Come on, she kept going back to the well of men over and over again, drinking from that well, hoping that she could squeeze God out of a man. Come on, anybody, you ever tried to squeeze God out of your kids or God out of a spouse or God out of money or God out of sex or God out of a job? It doesn't work. It'll always leave you empty. And so what happened was she would go to the first man and it, it was his fault. He couldn't satisfy all of my needs. And so she would go back to the well, go back to the second man. And she was trying to meet legitimate needs in illegitimate ways. And it was broken and it didn't work. But Jesus stepped into her vicious sin cycle, the thing that she had been caught up in and was always thirsty, always going back to the same well. And Jesus loved her, pulled her out of it and set her free. Come on, guys. How many of us are tired of being stuck on the I-285 of sin? You know what I'm saying? Just going around in a circle over. We miss our exit and it's 64 miles to come back around. And we, we know like freedom is right there. I can take the exit ramp right there. Ah, I said I'd never do it again, but I did it again. And we're stuck in the cycle, stuck in the circles. How many of you today are longing for freedom? How many of you want the cycles broken? Come on, how many of you want your thinking, your living, your relationships to be about health and life and joy and peace? How many of you want your relationship with God back? Come on, out of the hands of guilt and shame and condemnation. Well, the good news is Jesus set this woman free and he can do the same thing for you and he can do the same thing for me, right? And here's, here's kind of what we, 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 we dove into. So just so you can track with us. The, the first week we saw this, that Jesus calls us. And I, can I even say it like this? Jesus commands us to give over our dark, nasty, warm, dead well water and to take his cold river rushing living water. And the promise that comes with that is simply this, is that he will never call us to give up something lesser unless he gives us something better. I love that, guys. So whenever you're like, oh God, he's calling me to give this thing up, just know he has something better that he wants to give you. He's gonna give you himself, right? In the second week, we asked this question. We saw that Jesus asked this question. Do you wanna be healed? Do you want to, and of course, we're like, yes, I want to be healed. Here's the better question. Do you want to enter into healing? Do you want to enter it? Because Jesus will leave you better than the day that he found you, but you have to enter into the healing process. Then, then the third week, we saw that Jesus lovingly, kindly, sometimes gently, and sometimes violently will confront our compromise, right, in our lives. Because even Jude says this, sometimes you need to show mercy mixed with fear. Other times you need to snatch people as though from the fire, right? Because a good parent knows that if your kid's driving off a cliff, you're not gonna be like, well, I love you, Billy. Have a good time, right? No, you snatch, 
take you back from the cliff because you're about to die, right? And God as a loving father confronts the compromise in our life. And then last week, my wife slayed it, y'all. Slayed it. And we saw that Jesus is able to break these things called strongholds, which are these lies that we've come to believe over time. And we can renew our mind. We don't have to live in those lies forever. And here's what we're doing today as we close out this series. We're seeing the amazing news that Jesus gives us the way forward so we can walk in freedom from here on out. Because here's, here's the, let, let me just give you God's will for your life. God's will for your life is not for you to come to church every Sunday, say, I'm sorry, I'll never do it again. And then the next week you say, God, I did it again. I'm sorry, I'll never do it again. And then next week you're like, God, I did it again. I'm sorry, and this is like repeat until you die. Because a lot of us don't know what freedom actually looks like. Come on, how many of you actually wanna walk in freedom today? Not just get free, but walk free. Come on, here's, here's how Paul says it. Let me, let me unpack it for you, Galatians 5.1. He says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Everybody say freedom. freedom. Come on, with a little brave heart in it. Freedom, come on. <laughs> it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Guys, listen, Jesus came to set us free from the lies, the shame, the sin, the rebellion, to break the strongholds, to break the chains, to break the addictions, all the rebellion, all the, uh, all the, the, all the shaking our fist at God, all the wandering down dead paths. Jesus came to break that off of us and to set us free. But here's what Paul says. It's possible to go back to slavery. See, we don't talk about that part. We talk about, there is power in the name of Jesus. You know, breaking my chains, God. Wait, how did these chains get here again? I thought he broke them. See, what Paul says, it's possible to get set free, and it's also possible to go back. And here's the idea, guys. If we're not careful, we'll focus all of our efforts on getting free, but then we won't know how to stay free. And this is what slavery mentality is. Go with me. This is what slavery mentality is. Slavery mentality is the same thing that so many Christians have. A slavery mentality doesn't know what to do with freedom because a slave doesn't have dreams beyond the shackles being broken. That's as far as I can see. As far as I can see is I'm not wearing the shackles anymore. But if you broke the shackles, they wouldn't actually be free because they wouldn't know how to walk into freedom. They would just stand there and more than likely go back into freedom because the shackles would be broken off their body, but the shackles would not be broken off their mind. And this is why when God set the Hebrew people free from Egypt, they had to wander around for 40 years. Why? Because God got them out of Egypt, but God had to get Egypt out of them. Come on, God got them out of slavery, but they had a, a slave way of thinking. They had a slave way of living. And just because the bonds got broken off of them didn't mean that they knew how to live on the other side of the chains being broken. And here's what I'm saying for us. Here's what I'm saying for us. Most Christians know what they want to be safe from, but they don't know what they want to be safe for. Chew on that for a second. Come on, Midtown, just go. <laughs> Come on. Most Christians know what they want to be safe from, but they don't know what they want to be safe for. See, most of us wouldn't know what to do if the addiction was actually finally broken. 
Because that addiction is the content of all of our relationship with God. Right, come on, think about it. it it's, what, it's what you, it's, it's the basis for your prayers. God, I'm sorry I did that. God, I don't wanna do that again. I'm gonna go to the Bible and research how to be free from that. I, this is what I talk about in my small group. Now, what happens if I'm actually free? Who am I? Listen, who are you if you're not hurt? Who are you if you're not a victim? Who are you if you're not an abusee? Who are you if you're not a divorcee? Who are you if you, haven't, if, if you weren't molested when you were a kid? Who are you today, free in Christ? Who are you? Or is that all you know? If God set you free today, what would you, what would you do tomorrow? Who would you be tomorrow? Come on, guys, who are we? See, here, here's, here's what I think. Our aim is too low. We're aiming for the chains to be broken, but what, what does the free us actually look like? We know what we're trying to stop, but what are we trying to start? We know what we wanna be free from, but what do we wanna be free for? If I'm not doing that anymore, then how do I live? Come on, if I'm not hurt, what does the free me actually look like? So here's the question, where do we go from here, right? Because we've been kind of tracking with this, how we get set free, but what do we do once we're free? How do we actually walk in freedom and stop running in circles, all right? So how do we live free, not getting back under that yoke of bondage like Paul was just talking about? And so here's what I want to do today. I, I, want to, I want to tell you the same thing that I would tell somebody if we were sitting down for coffee. Or we, this is our breakfast meeting. Welcome. It's on me, all right? This is our breakfast meeting this morning. Um, and if we sat down and you said, hey, um, uh, Pastor Johnson, I... God's leading me in this healing process. I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. I feel like God's breaking these chains. Um, but how do I stay free? I know that I got set free, but how do I stay free? How do I walk in freedom? Because listen, guys, there's a whole lot of people who prepare for the wedding, but they don't prepare for the marriage. And there's a difference in, get, in getting married and staying married. So we've been talking about getting free, but how do you stay free? on the other side of your freedom. So I wanna, here's what I wanna do. I wanna give you four ways to walk in freedom. Here's four ways to walk in freedom. Here's the first thing. What do we have to do? Here's the first thing we have to do. We have to embrace new truth. Everybody say new truth. Come on, Hamilton Mill, new truth. This, this is why Summer's message last week was so important, right? Because she started talking not just about lies, but about these things called strongholds or what we would call core lies. What are core lies? These, these deep, deceptive ways of thinking. This is not like, oh, I thought that animal was called this, but it's actually called that. No, this is like, I believe in my soul that two plus two equals five. You know what I'm saying? Like something deep on the inside of me that this is actually how I interact with life. And here's, here's how this kind of takes place. Let me just walk you through it real quick. Is an event happens in our lives, right? And sometimes those are kind of innocent events. Sometimes they're traumatic events. Lots of times they happen at childhood. And here's what happens. Is it the problem, even as you fast forward, isn't even necessarily the event at this point. It's the lie that got attached to that event. Track with me, okay? It's because the event happened, but then we, we put interpretation of meaning on that event. So here, especially when you're a kid, kids are great um, observers, but terrible interpreters. And so we attach the wrong meanings to events. And so for instance, dad left. We don't just interpret that as mom and dad had issues, dad left. We interpret that as one, dad didn't love me. Two, that means I'm not worth loving. 
So do you see the, the hop, skip, and a jump? Dad left, which means I'm not worth loving. And now that's become a core lie, a stronghold in my life. This is how I think. This is how I filter life. And how many of you know, when you live your life as if you aren't worth loving, that has ramifications in the world around you. People who believe that they aren't worth loving live different because they're willing to put up with abuse, right? They are willing to abuse. They're, they're willing to reject before they can get rejected. They're, they turn into leeches, which is, what happens is down the road, people push away. If you believe that you aren't loving, you're worth loving, you're gonna act like you aren't worth loving, which then is gonna lead to divorce. And what happens is it turns into a self-fulfilling prophecy where you push the people away, then they back up and you say, see, I knew it, I wasn't worth loving. But it's because we came to believe a lie way back then that has influenced how we live today. Does this make sense? And so what we need is new truth because we have an old lie. And what happens is we focus all of our attention on stopping the sin instead of stopping believing the lie, right? Listen, I don't care how many times you say, I'm gonna stop the sin. If the lie's still there, the lie is what's fueling the sin. So you can pick apples off a tree all day long, but the apples are gonna grow back until you take an ax to the root of the lie, which is the ax is the truth of the living God to tear down this life in our life. And our, because our problem is we think I need to stop doing the wrong thing instead of thinking I need to stop thinking the wrong thing. And yes, absolutely, we need to stop the sin. But the way to stop the sin is to stop believing the lie. Here, let, let me, let me, I love this. Dr. Ken Boa said this. Believers should worry less about the devil's reaching them than about his teaching them with lies and false doctrine. When you learn to capture your thoughts, you'll learn to defeat your enemy. Guys, the greatest battlefield today is right here, right between our ears. It's in our minds. There's a constant war going on for our minds. The, the, the enemy wants to keep us in slavery. The enemy wants to keep us in slave mentality, poverty mentality, lack mentality, abusee mentality, victim mentality, I'll never climb out of this hole mentality, I've done too much, God can never love me mentality. All these attacks are coming against us and it's fueling this life that we live and we try and stop doing the sins instead of backing up and saying, what lies are fueling my sins? If you actually sat your, your sin down, put it in a seat, and KGB put the, like the, the light on its face and say, why are you here? Sin, why are you here? What would it say? What lie? Well, because you gave me entrance here. This way of living, this way of thinking, this lie that we've come to believe. And what we have to do is we have to replace that old lie with God's new truth. In fact, I'd say it like this. For every one of the enemy's lies, God has a better truth. Come on, Jesus. Come on, say it with me. For every one of the enemy's lies, God has a better truth. What is the better truth? You need to find whatever truth it is that, that on the scales outweighs the lie, can replace the lie that the enemy has spoken into your life. So what, let me give you a few truths. What's the new truth? The truth is that I am loved. Come on, 1 John 3, 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. What's a new truth? The truth that I am chosen. Ephesians 1, 4. 
Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. What's the new truth? That I am now a member in the family of God. The next verse, verse five, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. That is one of my favorite scriptures. That's one of my favorite truths in the entire Bible. I meditate on this, listen. Because when the enemy comes in and says like, you're not worthy, you're, you're, God doesn't love you, God doesn't want you, you've done too much. I say, nah, man, God wanted to adopt me. And when he thought about adopting me, it gave him great pleasure. Come on, I, I know we don't have a problem believing that for everybody else, but do you believe it for yourself? Because some, some of us are like, I know, I know God has to save me because he like set up the rules Right, like Jesus came and confessed with my mouth and believed with my heart. Like, like I, I know, like, but it, he kind of begrudgingly brings me in. Now, what this, this promise right here says this, is that when God thought about you, he said, I'm gonna love making her my daughter. I'm gonna love it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna treat her like a good father. That's a good daughter, like a good son. It gave him great pleasure. Guys, God has anywhere between seven to 8,000 great and precious promises in the word. How much would it change our lives if we actually believed that those promises were true? When our past comes back to accuse us, instead of running back to the old lies, we now run to the new truth. That's what we have to do. And so what do we do with it? Second Corinthians 10.3 it says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does, the weapons we fight with are not, the, are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Everybody say demolish strongholds. Demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Come on. In other words, you are not a helpless victim to your thought life. You don't have to roll over and play dead when the thoughts come in, when the temptations come in. You have the most powerful weapon in the entire world at your disposal, God's truth. Come on, with God's word, he made everything that you've ever seen. And that's the same power you have for you to claim that over your life, to claim God's truth, to demolish those lies. So retrain your tongue, retrain your mind, retrain your words on how to speak God's truth instead of the enemy's lies over your life. Come on, in the midnight hour when he's accusing, when he said, you did this and you did that and God can never forgive, what's the truth? I know that may be a fact, but what's the better truth? Yes, absolutely, I have sinned. Yes, absolutely, I am unworthy. But Jesus Christ smiled when he thought about adopting me. I have been washed and cleansed by the blood of God himself. He smiles when he thinks about me. He rejoices over me with shouts of joy. We need to learn to declare the truth instead of rehearsing the lies. That's what we do. Not only to break free, but then to walk free on the other side of freedom. So what you need to do, listen, you need to find that truth. What is God's truth? In the word, in the scriptures, that the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God endures forever. What is that truth? Take it, write it out, print it out, put it on your phone, put it on your mirror when you're getting ready in the morning, put it on your steering wheel, put it next to your workstation, whatever that is. Because the enemy doesn't let up. 
but you have a better weapon. It's called the word of God. And that's not just how you break free, that's how you stay free. So how do we walk in freedom? We gotta, we gotta have new truth. The second thing is this, we have to embrace new filling. Everybody say new filling. You, you ever hear um, really nice, well-meaning Christians say, well, we're, we're all empty and we just need to be filled. You ever hear, you hear people say that? That ain't true. We're not empty. You are, you're, you're full of something. Everybody turn to your neighbor. Turn to your, tell them you're, you're full of something. Full of something. No, just don't, don't look at your wife and tell her that. <clears throat> you know what you're full of? You are full of sin. You are full of sin. We are full of sin from birth, right? But when God liberates us, we then have to take the step to become full of him. Hey, let, let me say it like this. Um, we need to be emptied of sin so we can be full of him. This, this is the journey. We need to embrace a new filling, a new filling. Because here's what happens. Jesus actually tells us a story of somebody who, in, who experienced freedom and it didn't go well. Luke eleven twenty four. 24. Here's what he says. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. And then it says, I will return to the house I left. And when it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself and they go in and live there and the final condition of that person is worse than the first. Ah! Don't let this scare you and you end up living in fear. Let it motivate you to live full. Everybody say, live full. full. And I wanna live full of God. I don't wanna just be, listen, I don't wanna just be emptied of sin. I then wanna be filled with God. See, what happens is some people, they get set free, but nothing about their life changes and they don't get filled back up with God. Go go there with me. Anybody ever had a bad roommate? Bad roommate, bad tenant? Ever rented out your basement to Brad? (laughs) Right? Brad trashes the place. So you kick Brad out, right? And you, you, you got the coupon for the, for, the, for the steam cleaning. They come in. Everything's great, right? You spend a lot of money. You fix it up. Get new throw pillows. Come on, Pastor Colleen probably picked them out. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's nice. Everything, everything's great on the inside. And, and then Brad's just out there. Brad's homeless now. And Brad's trying to find a place. And Brad's an idiot, but he's like, I'll, I'll just, I, it was pretty nice back there, but I'll, I'll go. And he, Brad can't find a new place. And so Brad's like, I wonder what the old place is like. Brad comes back and he looks in the window and there's nobody there. And he's like, well, I'll show this joker. And he goes and finds seven of his idiot friends. And then Brad and his whole crew come in and they invade your basement and they completely wreck it. Why? Because you left it empty. And Jesus says, it's kind of like that with cycles and addictions and spirits and sin. Guys, here's the idea. It's not enough to simply break the stronghold. We then have to replace the space, the stronghold inhabited with something new. Everybody say replace the space. We got to replace the space with God. If not, listen, I'm not trying to scare you, but many times you will end up more addicted than you did in the first place because you tasted freedom and then went back into slavery. And here's the idea, guys. We used to, we used to go to um, sin and people and and sex and money for acceptance, identity, and security and purpose. And so when God sets us free from going to sin and, and sex and money for acceptance, identity, and security and purpose, we then have to go to something else, 
right? Because we cannot sit idle because our soul will gravitate and the human heart is an idle factory. We will go somewhere, right? And so you, you, you cannot stay stationary in your soul. And so if God liberates you from going to sin and people and sex and money for acceptance, identity, security, and purpose, then you have to turn to God and go to God for acceptance, identity, security, and purpose. Why? Because I can't just be emptied. I have to be filled with God. This whole thing is not about being just emptied. It's about being refilled with the right things as God meets legitimate needs in legitimate ways. See, the woman at the well didn't even know that that was a possibility to go to God for acceptance, identity, security, and purpose. Why? Because she thought that God was just a Jerusalem God. She thought that God was just a temple God. Listen, she thought that God was just a Sunday God. She didn't know that she could go to God Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and morning and evening for acceptance, identity, security, and purpose. You can go to God at any given moment to be filled, to be filled with his love, to be filled with his goodness, his presence. But when we're not, we will go looking for something to fill that space. See, it's not just about being emptied, it's about being filled. And what we have to do, we have to establish new habits and new disciplines on how to be filled with God. Listen, this is why we read our Bibles, right? I don't read my Bible just to read my Bible. I read my Bible to encounter the truth of God, the character of God, the person of God. Jesus even says this about the Pharisees. He says, guys, you read the Bible that's about me, but you refuse to come to me to have life. Listen, the Bible's there to get us to the heart of God. I read the scriptures, not just to read a chapter a day to keep the devil away, right? I go to the scriptures to meet God, right? This is why we pray. We don't pray just re repetitious. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, and the kingdom come. Like we don't, I'm praying to have a dialogue, not a monologue, to have a dialogue, to speak and then to listen. I need to hear God speak into who I am. This is why we have community outside of these walls to lock arms, to live life with other people, to go on this journey, this God supernatural journey together. This is why we gather together here for church to receive a corporate word, to live it out corporately. This is why we worship, right? Because I wanna fill my life with the glory of God. And there's a problem when we come in and we sing holy songs Sunday morning and then we listen to unholy music Sunday afternoon, right? Because I don't want to just be emptied. I want to be filled. And if you're not filled with God, you will be filled with something. You will be filled with something. And it's here in, in prayer and in scripture and in, in worship and our gatherings that God begins meeting legitimate needs in legitimate ways. Listen, when you meet with God for acceptance, identity, security, and purpose, you will never be thirsty again. Because you're like, that's what I've been looking for my entire life. That's what it's about. It's not just about stopping sin. It's about then being filled with the love of God. And that's not just how we break free. That's how we stay free. So how do we begin to walk in freedom? New truth, new filling. Third thing is this. We have to embrace new power. Everybody say new power. New power. New power. See, to walk in freedom, we have to actually embrace new power. Now, here's the deal. Um, this may not be the power that you're like, expecting, that you get excited about. You know what I'm talking about? We talk about the power of God, right? We are a charismatic, Pentecost, tongue-talking, demon, cast it out, healing church. <laughs> Which, by the way, we are. But um, that's not the power that I'm talking about. 
You do have power to operate in the gifts of the Spirit, but you now, listen, 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 you also now have power to live a godly life. And for some reason, that never gets as much applause. You're like, you can lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Yes, I can! You can live holy. Eh, take it or leave it. Come on, 2 Peter 1, verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need. Everybody say, everything we need. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. You may not know this, but you have everything you need for a godly life already, already, already. Well, I just received Jesus six seconds ago. Yep, you got it. You got it. You do not have to level up to like level 100. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've been reading my Bible. I've gone through the Bible reading plan seven times. I've leveled up. Yeah, I got my app. It shows me. No, bro. Like, you've got everything you need for a godly life in Jesus Christ. Why? Because the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives on the inside of you. It lives on the inside of you. The resurrected power. The, 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 the God who rose from the grave, ascended into heaven, sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. His spirit dwells on the inside of you and dwells on the inside of me. And what we have to learn to do now is not yield to our flesh, but to yield to the spirit. That's what we have to do. But you have the power to do it. Listen, b- before Jesus, you... You could not repent. You couldn't. You couldn't. That's his grace. That's his power. But now, because of Jesus, you have the power to repent when you sin. You do. Don't tell me you can't. Oh, no, I just can't find it within myself. It's, it's, it's not you. It's, it's a spirit-empowered ability. It's the gift of repentance. You used to not be able to repent when you sin, but now you can. Why? Because the Holy Spirit dwells on the inside of you. You now have the power to take your thoughts captive in the name of Jesus and bring them into submission to the obedience of Jesus Christ. You have power to do that. You now have the power, listen, to choose the good and refuse the evil. When we were dead in our sins, we were incapable of choosing righteousness over wickedness. Why? Because our spirit was dead, but through Jesus Christ, we have been nailed to the cross. We've been crucified with Jesus Christ. And now I've been resurrected in the waters of baptism to walk in newness of life. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. I am alive to live for Jesus Christ. Before I was incapable of saying yes, now I am well able. Before we were doomed to live in the cycles and live in the sin and live in the vicious um appetite of of destructive habits and addictions and sin, but now Jesus Christ has liberated us from that. He's broken the power of sin and death off of our lives, and we can choose the good and refuse the evil. Listen, you have power to choose whether or not to sin. Don't you ever tell me that you don't have the power. I don't know. I couldn't help myself. No, you just wanted to do it. I mean, just be honest about it. I was incapable. No, you were very capable. You just wanted to do it. You're rebellious. Let's just own it, you know? You can choose 
whether or not to sin. Now, you used to not be able to do that, but if you're born again, you have the power to choose whether or not to sin. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Come on. <laughs> he will provide a way out. You are well able to escape sin. Why? Because you've been forgiven and freed and the Holy Ghost lives on the inside of you. That's why, listen, I know what it's like to be like a bug drawn to the fire. You know, like, I can't help myself. I know what that feels like. I know, I know it feels like an affair will fix everything. I know when you're around that person, your heart lights up. I know what it's like to feel like, well, if I just take a little bit of money, nobody will know. I know what it's like to be like, well, I, I can click on that website in the darkness and it won't hurt anybody. I know what it's like to think a little drink will cure all your problems or a little drugs will cure all your problems or a little bit more money or another vacation or another person, another spouse, having more kids, doing whatever, the drugs, whatever it is. We think that everything will cure all of our problems. I know what that feels like. And so what we have to do now that we've come to faith in Christ is we have to understand it's time to stand. It's time to stand firm. You are not a reed blown in the wind any longer. You are not a dead ship sitting on the ocean being tossed to and fro. You can stand up in the faith and the firmness and the boldness and the power that Jesus Christ has given you. And you can say no to sin. You can say no to unrighteousness. You can say no to temptation. You can say no to the addiction. You can say no to the stronghold. You can say no to the cycle. Why? Because now you're a child of the living God. You've been rescued out of the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of God's son. You're a child. You have new power because the same spirit that hovered on the waters at creation abides within you. It's not about leveling up. It's about being a Christian. And the power that rolled the stone away can roll your sin away. And it can resurrect your dead bones and breathe life and cause you to be born again and walk in newness of life. You now have power today, not just to get set free, but to live free, but to live free from here on out. You have the power to do that all because of Jesus. So how do we walk free? We have a new truth, a new feeling, a new power. And the last thing is this, we have a new mission. We have a new mission. We have to embrace a new mission. Everybody say new mission, new mission. New one of my favorite parts of Jesus, right, with, with this encounter with the woman at the well is what is the, what is the first thing that she, what is the next thing that she does after she meets Jesus? What does she do? Remember, she leaves her, her water bucket and she runs back into town to tell everybody, come and see this man. Here's what I love that Jesus did not say. Hey, 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 what are you, you didn't go through membership class yet. You didn't say the sinner's prayer yet. It's not legal. You didn't get water baptized yet. You didn't go through our evangelism classes yet. Listen, you still, you just got saved, like set free from sin like four seconds ago. Give it like four or five decades. Then you'll be good. Then you can talk about Jesus. You still kind of dress a little risque. You can't come to church yet. <laughs> Cover your shoulders. Come on, somebody. No, this woman had met Jesus. What's the first thing she does? She runs to go tell people. It's beautiful. It's instinctive. It wasn't taught. 
wasn't instructed. She just said, I've met the best thing that's ever happened in my entire life. I have to go tell everybody, right? Come and, come and see this man who told me everything I ever did. It's beautiful. Why did she do it? Because Jesus had changed her. She's a new woman. She's not who she used to be. She's been born again. She's been set free. She's been liberated. She couldn't do what she used to do, right? Why? Because her mission had changed. Her purpose had changed, right? Here's how I'd say it. She used to live to sin, but now she lived to tell, right? She used to live for sin, but now she lives for telling. What she wants to do, she wants to say, come and see this man, right? Here's how I'd even say it. I used to do this, but now I do this. What's your new mission? That's the question. You're doing something, but have you ever thought about it? I used to do this, but now I do this. See, because there has to be an exchange that takes place. Let me walk you through what it can look like. Ephesians 4, 21. Paul says, since you have heard about Jesus and you have learned the truth that comes from him, listen, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. So what are we supposed to do? Put on your new nature, right? Throw off your old sinful nature. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and truly holy. So stop telling lies. Well, what should we do then? Let us tell our neighbors the truth. For we are all parts of the same body and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry for anger gives a foothold to the devil. And if you're a thief, quit stealing. What should I do then? Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously. Get this, instead of taking, give. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. See, there's an exchange that's taking place. I used to do this, but now I do this. I used to do this, but now I do this. I used to have the old nature, but now I've thrown it off and I put on the new nature, right? I used to tell lies, but now I tell the truth. I used to steal, but now I do good things with my hands. I used to abuse people with my words. Now I lift people up with my words, right? I used to do this, but now I do this. What I mean is this, listen, listen. Christianity is not just about stopping sinning. It's about starting righteousness. Because so many of us know what we wanna be saved from, but we don't know what we wanna be saved for. And so we think the whole goal of our life now is sin management. I just need to sin less today. My goal is to sin less today. Take it from a four down to a three. (laughs) Maybe I'll get it to a .7 one day, right? And we're like, can I just compress my sin just a little bit more? And again, our, our aim is way too low, guys. We, we've, we've thrown off our old mission, but have we embraced a new mission? We used to live for the world. Like, like, we used to live it up, man. But look at your life now. What are we doing now? What's our new mission now? Because here's what happens if we're not careful, right? We'll, we'll, we'll tell Christians like, hey, because here's the deal. You, you do not get saved by being righteous, like in your own, like you can't accomplish that yourself. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus's righteousness, okay? But once you step into being a Christian, so once you step into being a Christian, now we wanna, we wanna honor God by the way that we live, not to gain our salvation, but in light of our salvation, right? And so what we've done many times in, in church settings and small groups and things like that, we just tell Christians, stop sinning right? As if the goal is to, to stop sinning, as if the goal is for us to pay for our own sin. And yes, absolutely. I want sin as far out of my life as possible in a practical sense. It already is in a spiritual sense. But the deal is this, if I just stop sinning, now I just have idle hands. And you will find something to do with your hands. Listen, <laughs> the reason why people who quit smoking usually gain weight is why? 
Because I stop with the cigarette and I start with the donut, right? Because I'm going to do something with my hands, right? Because all I told you, stop that. Stop that. Well, I still got 24 hours in a day. So I'm going to do something, right? If you tell me to stop doing something, I will start doing something else. And, and I, tell, I tell guys this all the time. I say, guys, most of us don't have an addiction problem. We have a boredom problem. We have a boredom problem because we were told stop doing that and stop doing that. So we tried to stop doing that. Now we're just sitting there and we're like, uh, what am I supposed to do? Right? And we were made for adventure. We were made to lock arms and stay in step with the Holy Spirit. We were made for the miraculous. We were made to, to make a, a, an impact, to be significant in the world. Like we were made for these things. But when we're not, we'll just sit back and play Call of Duty. You shop on Amazon, gossip about your neighbors. Right? Because if I'm not doing that, what am I doing? You were not just made to stop sinning. You were made to start doing good. And if we're gonna live a life of, of walking in freedom, then we have to now pick up a new mission. If we're not going back to that well any longer, where are we going? Where are we going? I used to live for this, now I live for this. So here's the question, what's your new mission? What's your new mission? And, and I've teased this the entire year. This is where we're going next year. <laughs> so just hang with us. Like this is gonna be the thrust of the entire year. Like what's our mission in this world? But I'm gonna start asking you that question now. What's your mission? What are you living for? What's your purpose? Guys, I'll say this. It's time for us to start loving our neighbor again. Maybe some of us need to start at, at our home. You need to love your spouse again. You need to start loving your kids instead of giving love everywhere else. Uh, it's time to be a blessing to the world around us. We need, we need to become givers again and not just takers. I'd even say it like this. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna push on some of you, okay? Um, some of us, we need to start serving again. I am talking about in the church, I'm talking about everywhere, all right? Listen, because Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. And something happens, right? When I stop using my hands to sin and I start using my hands to serve. It does something because now I'm on mission, right? And so what I'm saying is something happened during COVID. And we all know it. All of our spiritual enthusiasm just went. And some of us, we could easily be in church today, but we're not. We're just casually at home. Others of us, we just casually came in and sat down and we become takers. We become consumers. I'm not just talking about in here. If we're consumers in here, what do we do out there? Goodness gracious. If we're consumers in the house of God, what are we out in a, in a rebellious world? Because we need to start doing good with our hands again. And so I'm gonna call on some of you. You need to start serving again. Start serving everywhere. If you need a place to start, serve here in the church, right? I made it really easy for you. VictoryATL.com slash surf. <laughs> don't be like, oh, I don't know. I couldn't remember the website. I just, I, uh, VictoryATL.com slash surf. On there, there's actually community outreach. There's, there's worship team. There's volunteering kids ministry. There's serving, you know, here in greeters and all that sort of stuff. We need to actually start giving our lives away. I stopped doing this. What did I start doing? Because if we have idle hands, that might start explaining why we've gotten back into sin cycles again.
And listen, let me just say this. If you sign up to serve, just enjoy your turkey. We'll contact you in the next few weeks. All right, we're not gonna bother you like on Christmas morning or something like that. But hey, man, you, you gonna be in the ushers like this weekend or something? <laughs> just enjoy your turkey. We'll, we'll get you plugged in. But here's the idea. We have to start kicking the rust off the wheels again, right? We gotta start movement again in our soul. Because if we're not just gonna get free, but we're actually gonna stay free, then we need new truth, new feeling, new power, and new mission. In Jesus' name. Let's do this, okay? Uh, at Hamilton Mill, Midtown, even if you're able online, especially here in the room, uh, Norcross, let's stand up to our feet. Here's what I wanna do. I, I acknowledge this has been, um, you know, for, for some of us, a really intense series, because we've talked to some of you <laughs> that God is liberating you. And again, we're not, just, we're not just interested in liberation in the moment, we're interested in liberation for the lifetime, right? That's how we actually wanna live this thing out. So here's what we do is we close out the series today. Let's, let's take a moment and we're, we're gonna do some cool things in prayer, but we're gonna start right here in this moment. So let's, let's bow our heads. <sighs> Father, here's what I know is that outside of Christ, we are nothing, have nothing, and can do nothing. We are dead in our sins and our trespasses. The greatest thing that we can try and live for is more success. But God, when we come into the kingdom, something supernatural happens. God, we are born again, we come back alive. Oh God, new mission, new power, new truth, new filling. God, we're new people. We can live life and life more abundantly. And let me just say this. We're gonna pray some more stuff in just a second, but the, the, the front door into this life, the only door is through Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except by him. And maybe you've, you've lived in these cycles for a while and you've said, I can't break free on my own. And you're wondering, why can't I break free on my own? Because you're not strong enough on your own. Only Jesus Christ can liberate you. Only Jesus Christ can break those chains. And so here's what I wanna do. Maybe you've been feeling it maybe today or just even over the series or over the season that I have, I've gone on my own path and my own way. And today I need to say yes to Jesus Christ to repent of my sin, turn from my way and put my faith and trust and hope in Jesus Christ alone as my King and my Savior. And if that's you today, here's what I wanna do across all the campuses. Let's lift up our hand. Just if that's you say, today I, I need to say yes to Jesus. God's calling me, God's calling me today. I believe that God's about to do an absolutely supernatural work in these next few minutes. Let's do this, let's put our hands back down so we can focus on this prayer and let's pray together. Say, Jesus Christ, you are the son of God who died for my sins and our sins. You took sin upon yourself at the cross, you died for it, paid the ultimate price, buried it, <laughs> but three days later, the stone rolled away and you're alive and you're resurrected. You are the living God. And so right now, I submit my life under you. I repent of my sin. I turn from my path and my cycle. I leave my wells behind and I come to you, the source of living water. You are my king, you are my savior. Wash me and make me clean. Today, I receive your forgiveness. 
I am new in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stay in this moment. Let's stay in this moment. We celebrate that. Oh my goodness. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take another step. And we believe this for every lie, God has a better truth. For every lie, God has a better truth. So, what I did, there's seven to 8,000 of them. I grabbed 30. I grabbed 30 promises from God, seven truths from God. And we're going to put them up here on the screen. And we're just going to proclaim them and declare them over ourselves right here. And what you need to do as we go through this, grab one of them and say, that one's mine. God has that one just for me today, okay? So let's, let's, we're gonna run through these. Let's not just say them, declare them about yourself. Let's do it together. I am a child of God. I am part of God's family. I am an heir of the kingdom. I am dead to sin. I am secure. I am chosen. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am loved. I am worth dying for. I am rescued from the kingdom of darkness. I am set free from the law of sin and death. I am forgiven and clean. I am righteous. I am confident that God will perfect the work he has begun in me. I am a citizen of heaven. I am blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. I am seated with Christ in heavenly places. I am Jesus's friend. I am the temple of God. I am more than a conqueror. I am an overcomer. I am victorious. I am not controlled by fear. I am God God's handiwork created to do good works. I am the light of the world. I am a minister of reconciliation. I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. I am not alone. I am complete and I am a new creation. Come on. Come on, God. We believe your truth over every lie from the enemy. And right now, God, we pray that you would fill us with your presence so we would be empty no longer. We choose to go to you from this day forward for acceptance, identity, security, and purpose. God, help us now to walk in the power you've given us to choose the good and to refuse the evil. God, I pray over us all right now across all of our campuses, God, you would break stoniness off of our hearts. And once again, give us the gift of repentance. God, give us this new mission, this new mission, so that we would live a life worthy of the calling that we have received, so we can walk in freedom the rest of our days and no longer run in circles. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen, amen. Come on, let's give glory to God.